This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My plan is sound, mathematically sound. It cannot fail. It's perfect. Three months from now, I will be worth $50,000 independent for life. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're talking about re-intervention today. Good thing I know a thing or two about reintervention. And intervention's one thing, but by the third time, I see it coming a mile away. You got chairs in a circle, your family shows up out of nowhere, there's promising you donuts. Fool me three times, you're not on my watch. Well, today, we talk life reinvention. Oh, reinvention, not reintervention. Well, that's better. And I was totally kidding about that intervention stuff before. Apparently, we're talking about reinventing your life with the author of Next, The Power of Reinvention in Life and Work, Joanne Lippman. In our headlines, one popular recording artist is reportedly blowing her fortune on her boy toy. What does that have to do with you and your money? We'll explain. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener, and for free, don't cost nothing, I'm going to share some engineered trivia. And now, two guys who have dedicated their lives to reinventing the wheel. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. So true, Doug. So true. You know, between my co-host and I, we have made every mistake imaginable so that you don't have to. Welcome to Mistake Planning for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Saul. See, hi, average Joe Money on Twitter. Despite all of it, we got our financial house in order and we're going to help you get yours in order. So sit back, relax, and we're going to have some fun because Mr. OG's bringing it today. I heard on a scale of one to 10, you're like at a 12 with this podcast coming up. I heard something about boy toy and I was like, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) He hasn't heard a word since then. (laughs) How do I get that job? Spoiling the boy toy. (laughs) We're going to find out exactly who that is. Here in just a minute, but even oh, more is that than that, why you're wearing a speedo, OG. <laughs> hey, oh, 
We've got uh, Joanne Littman. We got to keep it clean because we've got uh, the former editor in chief of USA Today and uh, Wall Street Journal's Weekend Journal. She was responsible while she was at those publications for six, six Pulitzer Prizes. That is precisely six more Pulitzers than I have, or you, to my knowledge. <laughs> so it is. We should definitely pay attention. Do you think we should line up those Plutus Awards behind us that look like we finished third place and you ate soccer? Like we should maybe, how would those look versus hers? Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. That right there. Huh? It's like a, no, you got to flex while you do that. You see it is right over there. It's right yeah. over there. I can't. Yes. We got a great show. We're going to practice our flex while you guys listen to this. Hold on just one second. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, now you got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan, choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. All right, there we go. Joanne Lippman is here talking about reinventing yourself in life and in work. You don't have to be what you were yesterday. The past does not equal the future. We've heard that before, but before that, great headline, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from MSN Lifestyle section, where we get all of our hard-hitting news here in Mom's Basement. <laughs> <laughs> this is written by Aaron Johnson. Cher is the celebrity in question. Cher's $360 million fortune OG is dwindling. I thought you were going to say Cher is 360 years old. <laughs> Not, no, she has no. been around forever. She must have started when she was like 11 because she's only 76 years old. Can you believe that? Yes. Dwindling a 76-year-old splurges on her boy toy, A.E., 
friends claim. Uh, Aaron writes, love crazed Cher has become so loopy over her boy toy lover, Alexander A.E. Edwards, that her friends fear she's draining her fortune for her man. RadarOnline.com has learned. But according to sources close to the situation, Cher has been shelling out big bucks supporting her romance and his lavish lifestyle. An insider said Cher's inner circle has grown concerned that she's throwing her money away. Oh, gee, she's got $360 million. I mean, do you tell her friends to just keep their mouths shut? Like, I've, it's my $360 million. If I'm Cher, I think that's what I say. Do you think that she believes in life after love, though? I mean... <laughs> well, I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think it's strong enough. What am I supposed to do? Sit around and wait? You know, she might be thinking that. You know? Well, no, you can't do that. There's no turning back. I mean, you on. know, this is... This is, this is a frustrating thing. On Monday, you know, when I was talking to financial planner Taylor Schulte, he and I, as you know, OG, had this discussion about advisors shaming people that have plenty of money over using that money for their stuff versus the type of advisor that we think you should surround yourself with, people that are on board with where the company wants to go, and then yeah. they help you get there more efficiently. If her goal is to spend money on her... 37 year old boy toy, by the way, 39 year difference between the two of them. But if she wants to do that, shouldn't, shouldn't her friends be like, I she's, guess she's definitely fat fire. She, 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 she might not be for long. I don't know if she spends that sources are real. The singers seem really impossible to burn through $300 million, but I guess people have done it. Oh, you give it a shot, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think you're more than capable of doing that. I'd try. If there's any of us that could do that, I would vote on OG. Sources reveal the singer's always been careful with her estimated $360 million bank account, but has thrown caution to the wind since she started dating the 37-year-old music exec. I don't know. I think I think it's her money. Do what you want to do. she's 77? 76, and he's 37. So she lives for another 25 years? How much does she have to spend every year to, to, to zero it out? 15 million with no return. That's pretty good. Below it, share. Do you? I also feel like when you're 76, there's a giant portion of DGAF that shows up on your doorstep and you do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I mean, people are saying in this article, they're like, she's being had, she's being used. She's being, it's her money. I mean, but don't yeah. get me so. So let's go from share though to we've all had this. I mean, I mean, Doug, you have a relative in your family that was somebody was trying to scam her, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, they they were trying hard to scam her. Uh, we've had uh, Cameron Huddleston on talking about older relatives with it, where they're they're being taken advantage of by people in the family. Heck, a good friend of mine here in town, OG, his grandmother a few months ago had cousins of his show up at the nursing home at 1130 with documents, 1130 at night, by the way, they had them wake up grandma so they could change the will at 1130 at night. Oh, that's the time I get my wheels changed <laughs> right at, uh, right at 1130. You know, that'll hold up in court. Well, the, but there's a difference. That's what you're talking about. There's a difference between being taken advantage of literally like scammed because you don't have the mental facilities to deal with it. And doing whatever the hell you want to do. So I think Cher's doing whatever she wants to do. 
But some of these discussions with older members of your family, they're very difficult to have. They are. I mean, you know, I mean, for people to go tell the press that Cher's messing up is one thing, but then again, how do you get in Cher's face or get in your mom's face or your dad's face yeah. and go, hey, uh, this person's taking advantage of you? That's tough. It is really tough. I've had that discussion a couple of times, and you just have to sort of keep after it and remind them. I mean, this is how I've approached it anyways, and my, my brothers and I have approached it. It's just remind them why you're having the conversation. It's coming from a place of care and love, and we just want to make sure, you know, usually that is rebuffed, not the care and love part, but the offer of, <laughs> but the offer of help. It's yeah. usually rebuffed, but you just have to be persistent. But it is a really challenging depending on how independent that person is you're talking yes. to, whew, it can get fiery. Sure. Just because well, they think you're meddling and they took care mm -hmm. of you when you were a kid, you know, especially if it's a parent, they're like, hey, I change your diapers. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> uh, Cameron Huddleston was on the show just before COVID with her book, which is a really good book about talking to parents about money called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. She said a great way to bring this up is anecdotally. Say, hey, you know what? I had this situation where so I got this weird call today where somebody tried to scam me. Have you ever had one like that? Because this is what happened to me. And then when you share it that way, you're hoping that there's then some reciprocity, right? right. Or you say, oh, I didn't know what to do with. I got confused about whatever. You ever get confused about what to do with, with your million dollars versus putting it in my bank account? <laughs> <laughs> Use your powers for good people. Don't do that. But I think, OG, it does take some of this forethought and planning. You can't just go, you know, hey, mom, let me look at your, your checkbook register because it looks like this 40-year-old younger than you man has taken advantage of you. You can't approach it that way. Because that would be my brother, that 40-year-old man. <laughs> mom, let me, look, <laughs> let me look at your checkbook. Your, your other son is, how many steaks are you buying this kid? <laughs> He doesn't ask about the steak. Which price. coincidentally, we did a steak brother redo, as it were. No. Oh. Redux? Yes. And did it seriously happen again? Oh, no. Eyes wide open this time. In fact, I was with my other brother who told my brother how to do the steak brother thing. Like, he's like, no, no, get this. This is how we do it. This is how we do it, bro. I've already done this once. Oh my so, God. So, so well, let's do it again. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. For people that are new to the show, Steak Brother is OG's brother who didn't even uh, look at the price on the menu, ordered the most expensive thing, just assuming- Ordered the special. Assuming that OG was paying for it. And then OG- Assuming a special meant sale, which it does not when you're at a restaurant generally. Yes. Thought that it was on sale and also assumed OG was paying. And then OG goes, hey, uh, so yours was, and he watched Steak Brother freak out when he saw the- yes. Three times the entree price as everyone else. So yeah, we did that again. So went out to dinner. But this time he was proud of it. This time he's like, hey, OG's going to well, pay. And, and we brought my other brother who wasn't part of the original meal and said, let me tell you how we do this. Let me well, show you what's yeah, about to well, happen. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise because Steak Brother became famous. So he's like, this is going to be fun. Let's do it yeah. again. And look what we're doing. We're enabling that. Again, today. Now, Steak Brother 1 and 2. It's like those t-shirts that say Thing 1 and Thing 2. <laughs> thing 1 and Thing 2. <laughs> Taking that, though, OG, and making this a, a real discussion, you do have people, you know, you'll have people sometimes younger than you or, or less financially responsible than you, and they ask you for money. I think giving people 
a handout is difficult, but showing them tools, giving them access, showing them like how you use a budgeting app or how you use some of the cool stuff on your phone, making it yeah. kind of conspiratorial almost uh, might be a better help. Yeah, it's just like how we think about the show, right? We try to have fun with it and not be judgmental and not be pointing, point your finger. You did a bad job. It's just, no, you're, let's just try to make good decisions from this point forward. If it's coming down to, does this family member, you know, need help putting food on the table or is it that they need help with their country club payment? Those are going to be different, you know, different conversations along the way. But I think we'd all just pretty willingly put food on the table for somebody if we needed to. But I love the idea of teaching them. I mean, that'll help them for a day, but showing them how yeah. to do a budget and sitting down and sharing a little bit of expertise. Because I think people that listen to a show like ours, I love the people that are here because they don't have it together yet. I get most excited about that. But a lot of people listen to these shows are looking for tips or pointers to get a little bit better. They're often the evangelist. And if you're good with money, sitting down with your friends that aren't and going, oh, hey, look at the cool app on my phone. Like not even directing it at them. Just going, hey, yeah. I got this cool... It's a cool budgeting app. Could be good. Maybe you could get out of mom's basement. Make it so that I don't have to borrow money from family. Right. Right. Yes. If you help them, if you help them do that, then they, then you give them the backhanded uh, uh, passive aggressiveness. Passive yeah, a little bit. Right little in bit. the end. Yeah, might work. Well, that's the 101 of this discussion. You know what? If you want the 201, we have a newsletter that comes out the day after our Monday, Wednesday shows. So if you need to dive in more into talking about money with people, either in your age range, people older than you, people younger than you, Kevin Bailey from our team covers all that in great detail, gives you a bunch of great links that we've curated here, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 to get the newsletter. Do we know that Kevin Bailey isn't just what you've named your version of chat GPT? <laughs> right. have- Is that what you call your... Unless, installation of a large language model. Unless Kevin uh, has a, uh, Kevin AI has hired a deep fake model or has a deep fake version um, that, that, that we meet with all the time. Cool, cool. thing about Kevin. I don't know people, we, we, we've mentioned this before, Doug, in all seriousness, you know, a lot of people don't know that Kevin was with Vanguard and with TIA and a guy who's dug into all this stuff very deeply for some of the biggest uh, companies in the country. Yeah, both companies that are well-versed in the use of technology. I think it's very curious that the letters <laughs> AI are in his last name. <laughs> this You're is not cons- fooling me! This is a conspiracy. You can replace me with a bot next. Right. I think the 201 is a fake. It's a yep. sham. It never happens. How about this for marketing, Doug? The only way to find out and form your own opinion is to subscribe. Go subscribe and you can see if it is, if it's AI or not. Well, while maybe Kevin is pivoting toward AI helping him, so is the rest of the world. If you're looking for your next pivot, uh, Joanne Lippman joins us. She's an award-winning journalist, served as editor-in-chief, as I mentioned earlier, of a little brand called USA Today, the USA Today Network, a Condé Nast portfolio, and the Wall Street Journal's Weekend Journal those organizations won six Pulitzers while she was in charge. She's been an on-air CNBC contributor, Yale University journalism lecturer, but now, of course, she's with us in mom's basement today. If you're somebody thinking about your next pivot, maybe you feel trapped, maybe you feel like you can't make that next move, we've got the perfect guest for you today. But before we get to Joanne, Doug, I think you might have some trivia for us. Yeah, I do, Joe, but hold on. I'm still stuck on, you just said Pulitzers. 
that makes me uncomfortable. Is it Pul? I think it's Pulitzer. Oh boy, <laughs> are you one of those people that says puberty? Pew, of puberty. Pew Pulitzer. Pulitzer. It's Pulitzer. Pretty sure it's Pulitzer. All right, stackers, weigh in on that in the basement. But first, yeah, I've got some trivia for you. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and Joanne Littman is about to talk about making things new again. In today's trivia, let's pile on and talk about making some other old things feel new, like used cars. How about this question? Which company had a used car model that saw its price drop the most during the last four months of 2022? I'll be back right after I talk to management, aka Joe's mom, about Scotchgard and free oil changes. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse and half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy, but with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login, anybody who's on your team. And you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y. 
com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm used car salesman, spirit animal, and air freshener connoisseur, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So what company had a used car model whose price took a dive in the fourth quarter? Survey says Tesla. According to popular site iccars.com, Tesla's Model 3 price dropped 16.8% between September 1st and the end of last year. And now, to help us reinvent our lives and work, let's say hello to Joanne Lipman. And joining us, I'm so happy she's here. Joanne Lipman is here. How are you? I'm good, Joe. I'm really happy to be with you. Well, I can't wait to dive into this topic, mostly because as I was reading this work, none of it to me was, well, let's put it this way. It's intuitive after I read your book, but before I read your book, Joanne, none of this was intuitive to me. I went, wow, uh, this all makes sense, but it, it wasn't the way I thought it was. So let's, let's start actually where you begin. You have this Don Draper character that you're going to meet as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, right? He's this advertising guy. You show up early in the morning. Can you tell us the story of this man that you begin this work with? Sure. This is when I was a very young reporter. I actually started my career at the Wall Street Journal. I started as an intern and then they hired me as a reporter. So I was a kid. I was covering advertising at the time, this was the height of the burger wars. I am dating myself. <laughs> We're talking like late 80s, height of the burger wars. And Where's I had the to, beef? <laughs> so I had to go interview the guy who ran the, the Burger King campaign at J. Walter Thompson. And I go and I show up and it's super early in the morning and I'm dragging my feet. And he's like, oh, I've been up for hours already, this guy says, because what I really want to be, he's an ad executive. He says, what I really want to be is a writer. I want to be a novelist. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you and everybody else, buddy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he says, I got a book published. And he hands me across the desk, he hands me this book, which I like didn't even glance at. I stuck it in my bag. I interviewed him, got my work done, got went back. Anyway, a couple weeks later, I'm on an airplane trip somewhere, you know, stuck in coach in the middle seat there, as one does. I pull this book out and start reading it. And uh, honestly, I don't remember the details. I remembered it was about like some guys trying to blow up Wall Street or something. And so actually, when I was writing my current book, I, I went back to look at the reviews and Kirkus, which does book reviews, called this book, and I am quoting, abysmal deserves drowning. So clearly, like I was thinking, you know, this guy, good thing he has a day job, right? right, right. So, Did you like it, by the way? Did you like it while you were reading it? I remember thinking that it was somewhat unsophisticated about, you know, because I worked at the Wall Street Journal and this was sure. supposedly about Wall Street and it just seemed not that sophisticated. Shallow. That's, the, yeah, I, I don't remember much about the plot. I don't, I remember thinking it was a good thing this guy has a day job. Fast forward, I want to say maybe 10 years later, I've moved on to a different beat. So, you know, I'm not in touch with this guy anymore. And suddenly I see him on television on an ad and he's holding up his latest book called Along Came a Spider. And he says, hi, I'm James Patterson. <laughs> and that was my ad guy, Jim Patterson, who is now one of actually the most successful author of all time in the United States. I mean, he is a multimillionaire, if not a billionaire. 
Uh, he's written hundreds of best-selling books. He is unparalleled in terms of his success. But what's so fascinating is, actually, I went back to him when I started the book Next because it's the power of reinvention in life and work. And I thought, okay, I've never seen a reinvention like that one. Like, what can we learn from that? So I got back in touch with him and I asked him if he would just walk me through what happened between when I first met him years ago and today. Like, how did he get from there to here, right? And, and he did. And it was, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story because there really are lessons for all of us in what he went through. We're not all going to turn into him. <laughs> no promises there. But the steps that he went through and the thought process he went through and even, you know, the insecurity that he went through is very, very common across any kind of reinvention if you're thinking of pivoting in your career or your life. The thing that struck me immediately was when you met him, you talk about how he'd already he'd already had a career. He was already known. He was on these big campaigns, Joanne. So he didn't do it. You know, they say a lot of change happens because of perspiration or desperation, right? Right. He didn't quote need to change. And a lot of times when I meet people and they talk about their career, their life, they're like, well, I'm too far along in this. So I guess I'll just keep going. But you really prove with Patterson out of the gate here that you can change whenever you want to. You can. So for the book next, I actually, I interviewed people from their 20s to their 90s. Change is not attached to any age. And in fact, so Jim Patterson, going back to his story, he actually did not quit the ad agency business until he was almost 50 years old. Wow. And actually, by that time, he had written close to a dozen books. And the last few, he had finally kind of figured out, you know, the, the one that... that um, I read, he, he told me he actually ended up rewriting and re-releasing. I think it got much better reviews and bigger sales. <laughs> Maybe slightly. <laughs> but he had told me he really didn't figure out his voice until he had written like almost 10 books already, all while he was still at the ad agency. And he said like he really did want to be a writer, but you know, he had this career. And he, like many of us, like he did not grow up well off or, you know, he, he did not come from a fancy family, he came from a very, very middle class family. He said his dad always told him, like, you got to get a job and you have to have an earning and a salary. And like, he didn't think that like being a writer with a capital W <laughs> was like a, a thing that he could actually be. It took him a decades to get there. And it's funny because a mentor of mine, when I was with American Express, had this wonderful speech he gave one day, uh, Joanne, which was, he called it the power of being five, about how when we were five years old, we wanted to be a firefighter, we wanted to be a president, we wanted to be an astronaut, and then we get into our 40s and we're hoping for a 3% cost of living raise, and maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, we do a little addition on the house, and you go right there next. You talk about one of my favorite characters ever and one of your favorite, Harriet the Spy. Yes. I, I love Harriet the Spy. <laughs> yes. Harriet the Spy changed my life. And by the way, though, I just to your initial point there, I have to say a thousand percent I agree with you about how when we're children, we have this ability to imagine ourselves from one thing to the next to the next. We can think about one thing and we don't feel bad about ourselves if we decide, oh, I don't want to be an archaeologist anymore. Now I want to be a spy, which was actually <laughs> there's, me. There's no <laughs> right? guilt attached to it. 
there's no guilt. There's no self-effacement. There's none of this like beating ourselves up, flagellating ourselves. None of this, right? We we have this ability. And what I wanted to do with Next is, is bring us back to that. Bring us back to when we're five and can do that, but with real strategies that will get us there. But just to talk about Harriet the Spy for just one moment, because, oh my gosh, th- this is one of my great regrets in life that I never got to meet the author, Louise Fitzhugh. But anyway... Harriet the Spies, as as you know, is an eleven year old spy. She's a she's a kid, and she spies on her neighbors and her friends, and she writes it all down in a book, in a in a composition notebook. I read it first when I was seven, and I asked my mom to get me a composition notebook like Harriet the Spy had. All through elementary school, all the way up till probably sixth or seventh grade, I was never without one of these notebooks spying on my older sisters and their boyfriends <laughs> and my neighbors, you know, I I wanted to be a spy. And I wrote so much. And then I think it was around sixth or seventh grade when I realized that there was actually a career that I could follow where you do almost exactly that. And it's called journalism. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be a writer of some sort. I loved asking questions. So I, I didn't actually like this, the stealth spying, I, but I loved, I had the curiosity. I just wanted anybody I met, I wanted to know everything about them. And I took notes. And that led me to my career in journalism. That's funny. Yeah. I remember Harriet in that dumbwaiter and I was always sure she was going to get caught. Like me entire- <laughs> too. Me too. Also, when I was a kid, I didn't know what a dumbwaiter was. So it took me quite a while to figure out what was going on in that right. those scenes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a horrible waiter. It isn't. It's something <laughs> right. totally different. We think though that, okay, I'm going to make this change. If we do have an idea, and I want to talk about where these ideas come from, because they don't come from where we think they come from, they also don't, um, and they don't appear the way we think that they're going to appear. But you talk about how we focus on the wrong thing. We think this change is going to be easy. And you set us straight at the beginning that for 99.9% of us, this isn't going to be easy. You talk about Sarah Blakely changing, uh, Harrison Ford changing, like these, these changes. We hear some of these stories and we think, okay, they magically all of a sudden did something different. It doesn't usually work like that. A hundred percent. So this is one of the big myths and you hit it on the head about this idea of overnight success and what I I call it the Cinderella effect, right? It's the Mm. Cinderella myth. So we are brought up on this from birth, right? With the fairy tales and the the frog turns into the prince. And by the time we're adolescents, we got Spider-Man and Superman who change instantly. And then we get to be grownups and we're watching reality TV with... Who wants to be a millionaire or American Idol? Or the Property Brothers redo the house in half an hour and it's gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the segment, boom, your house is over. Yeah, there you go. And so we are brought up with this myth and it's really damaging that these things happen overnight. And if it doesn't happen overnight for us, there's something wrong with us. And it makes us all feel terrible, like everybody else seems to be able to do this transformation. What's my problem? What's wrong with me? And what I realized is that myth is completely wrong. That is absolutely wrong. That I've plot out what I call the the reinvention roadmap. And there's basically four steps which we can walk through. But I want to focus on the, the second step, which we call the struggle, which is in between, right? When you, you start in one place, you end up in the other, but there is a big, messy struggle in the middle where you've kind of have left behind where you were, but you haven't figured out where you're going. And the thing is that 
when you're going through it, it's really uncomfortable. When we tell these stories, these big success stories, we tend to gloss right over it. But in fact, it happens to everyone. And not only that, it's really important. It's an incredibly important part of the process. You can't flip a switch and go from one thing to another. You have to go through this very uncomfortable middle period that we don't like to talk about. But it's also really important and it should make you feel better when you're going through it that you're actually doing really important work. Even if you think you're standing still, you're actually moving forward. You had, to your point about the struggle is a good thing, a great analogy that comes from a guy named, I, I hope I get this right, uh, Dashin Wong, uh, yeah. Northwestern University computational social scientist. And it's it's an ice cube analogy. I don't know if you remember that story, Joanne, but if you can, I think this is a great way to think about the struggle. Yes, yes. This was so great. He studies failure. He's a computational scientist, who stu- data scientist who studies failure. And what he said is very often when we fail, it's because we actually stop too soon, right? That, that in that struggle period, we'd like throw up our hands and just like walk away. And his analogy is this ice cube. So he said, your job is to melt an ice cube. And you walk into the room and it's 28 degrees in the room. And so you say, okay, I'm going to turn up the temperature to 29 and it still doesn't melt. And then you turn it to 30, it doesn't melt. 31, it doesn't melt. And you're like, I, I give up. I walk away, right? And if you had turned it up one more degree, there you go, right? You, you, you would Change happens. Change happens. But you just kind of get frustrated and walk away. Too often that is what happens to us. Like we're in this feeling of struggle and we say, I just can't do it. And we throw up our hands. What, what Dachin Wang found was really interesting is he found that what he calls successful failures are those where it's not working. But rather than just walking away or throwing up our hands, which we are all tempted to do, what you do is you make iterative changes. And as he said, it's important to fail fast, but that fail fast kind of mantra on in Silicon Valley has been sort of misconstrued, right? It's like they're throwing all kinds of things against the wall to see what sticks, and then they fail, they throw it out, they try something else. His point is is quite different. It's you want to fail fast as in figure out what's not working, but then you make a tiny tweak. And then if that doesn't work, another tweak, and then another tweak. And it's iterative changes. And he did this really, I think it was him, who did this very interesting study. I know there was a study done that looked at, you know, both sort of venture capitalists, like, you know, founded uh, new companies, but also looked at terrorist attacks. I mean, just looked at a variety of different kinds of efforts of which early ones were failures and then they succeeded later. And it was always making these iterative changes. So that's something to really keep in mind during the struggle. I'd love to talk about where the struggle fits in, though, in this reinvention roadmap, because I think that's really important. Yeah, no, I did want to talk about that because your four steps are search, then struggle, then stop and solution. And I was actually going to go back to search. But before I do that, just to help put a point on this, too, for people, this idea of iterative change about making these little tweaks. I don't know. When I read that, Joanne, it gave me much more confidence that I can get it wrong. It's okay to get it wrong. Yes. It's fine. If I feel like I'm on the path, like I can make these little tweaks. And I also, then I embrace the process. Everybody falls in love with the outcome. And you talk a lot of, well, you've got another story here, an Olympic skater named Nathan Chen. And yeah. Nathan Chen talks about this a little bit. And it's funny. We just had Olympian Kara Goucher on the show. 
Awesome. And, and, and Kara talked about the same thing Nathan does in your book, which is whenever she thought about winning, about the pressure and about Olympics or world records or whatever, she fell off a cliff and she was horrible. But whenever she thought about her gait and her speed and her workouts and the tweak, the tweak, the tweak, things went much, much better. And I it j- just that approach to me just seems healthier. That is so much healthier, right? And Nathan Chen talks about the same thing about the previous Olympics, the most recent Olympics where he won the gold. It was all about him focusing on the process. And he said the previous Olympics where he had been favored, but he ended up having a, a relatively poor performance was because everybody, and including him, his whole headspace was that he had to win the gold. And it was about the end as opposed to about the process. And the process is where all the work happens. That's what it's all about. And you've got to kind of be fully in, fully there in in the process and not get distracted by the right shiny now. thing. Yeah, no, and, I, exactly. and I think about Joanne, as I was reading and, and as I'm listening to you, just also being present in the moment and how much more satisfying is that to be present in the moment? But for yes. you, so this is step number two. Step number one though is search. And you have this explosive idea. It was explosive to me that we think to your point that you said earlier that we have this plan and we're going to work backwards. And we talk about a lot here, begin with the end in mind, but you talk about the power of just your gut and your gut reaction. And I can't tell you, Joanne, how many times I've told people like, don't trust your gut. But, <laughs> but in this process about reinvention, trusting your gut might be the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. In the reinvention roadmap that I talked about, right? It's search, struggle, stop, solution. The first step is this search. The search piece of it is so cool because what search is, it's when you're collecting information. But the fascinating thing I found in all of the research and in the interviews I did is the search begins before you know it began. You are starting to collect this information. You're sucking up kind of different pieces of information that might seem unrelated. You might then, you have a hobby. You might have a random interest. You might have a side hustle. But you're collecting information and almost everybody embarks on this transformation before they realize it. So that's the search piece of it. And then the search piece then ultimately is goes to the struggle when you start to say, you know what, you start to disconnect from where you were before. And then you get move into the struggle because you haven't quite figured out where you're going, but you know that you're sort of disconnecting yourself from where you started. And this is where gut comes in as well. I have a whole chapter on like, should you, like, how do you know you should even start to embark on this transformation, right? Whether it's switching careers or even making like a big change in your life, how do you know? And I did a lot of research into gut feeling. It turns out that in the case, particularly of these sorts of reinventions, you should listen to your gut. And I know the advice is don't listen to your gut. But it turns out that your gut actually isn't just sort of a feeling that comes out of nowhere, (laughs) that your gut, when it works, it's because you have all sorts of information that you got in this search stage that you don't even realize you've, you've accumulated so much knowledge, but you haven't consciously put all of that knowledge together But your gut, like your brain and your body, they know that you've got all this knowledge. And that's the signal they're sending you is that gut feeling that this is the right thing to do. And there's a ton of research on this. There's even research on like 
CFOs and top executives who, um, when they have to make major financial decisions, very often they'll collect all the data and they have voluminous amounts of data, and then they discard the data to make the actual decision. And those who do this successfully, they are successful because they're using their gut, but their gut is actually accumulated expertise. It's not from nowhere. It actually comes from something. Yeah, you you draw the line here that there's a good gut decision and a bad gut decision. A bad gut decision is when, I believe, I'm paraphrasing, when you truly don't know anything about the subject and your gut just kind of goes, eh, I think I'm going to do this with no information. But an educated gut, one where you've been in the trench, you know, you know this area inside out, that gut decision is probably better. Is that it? But- that, yeah, no, you articulated that exactly right. I, the analogy that I really like is expert chess players. So oh. if you've ever watched an expert chess player, they can play 25 people at once and they don't, they can do it like boom, 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 right? And they don't have to think about it. The reason that they can do that is because they have the accumulated knowledge of every single chess move in their head. They don't have to analyze each board that they go to. They can just know. And that's their gut speaking, but their gut is informed by their hours and hours of play and all of the thousands, tens of thousands of moves and plays that they already have stored in their brain. So they don't have to consciously think about it. <laughs> I, I see those people do that. And I just think, how do you have that all in your, just am- amazes me. But you have that in your brain about whatever topic you're an expert in. You just don't realize it, right? Oh, people, you, you don't have to call on it consciously. <laughs> people that know me, Joanne, know that you are vastly overestimating me. <laughs> vastly <laughs> overestimating me. Oh, I love don't that. underestimate yourself. <laughs> I love the idea of, you know, we call it here, embrace the suck about this, <laughs> that, the, that the struggle is real and sometimes it stinks. But that third step here about stop, about how there is this, there's this natural pause. And I, I thought about this as I was reading that there is this period where you've either given up or you've, you've stopped your conscious brain from thinking about it. And that's when the, that's when the answer appears. I, I never get my good answers and you hear this from everybody. I'm sure Joanne, I get my best answers when I'm out on my walk Yep. and and I'm listening to something else or I'm in the shower, right? Everybody says my great idea comes to the shower, but these ideas happen when you don't think they're going to happen. Right. The, the stop is so important. That's the third step. So you're struggling. The stop happens. It could be something that that you bring on yourself. So it could be that you quit your job and you stop. Or it could be something just like, I give up. I can't figure this out. Or I'm distracting myself. And you go for your walk or you go to sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night or you're in the shower. You know, it, it could be that sort of thing. The stop could also be something that happens to you. So several of the people who I interviewed had these big career change aha moments when they, you know, um, one person was diagnosed with cancer and luckily he recovered, but like that made him stop in his tracks. Uh, for a woman who I spoke to, it was, she had been a stay-at-home mom and it was when her oldest child went back to college and suddenly her house is different. Like it, it's something that happens to you. Or by the way, a pandemic <laughs> stopped all of us in our tracks. And that I think wouldn't, this- That wouldn't happen. So the <laughs> pandemic actually was the impetus for the book. It was the inspiration for me to write the book in the first place is because usually that stop, that big transformative moment for you, you know, that life-changing aha moment, usually any of these kinds of big moments happen to you very individually. 
you know, and, and it, it could, might be prompted by, you know, uh, something great, like you get married or something tragic, like, you know, you're wiped out by a hurricane or there's a divorce or death in the family. But um, what happened with the pandemic is, is this stop moment happened to all of us all at once, all at the same time. It tore all of us out of our routines. And that's why you saw, that is what led to what we saw with the great resignation with people like reprioritizing their lives and saying, am I in the right career? Is this the right life for me? And it's why if you look at the research during the pandemic, the majority of people who quit their jobs or were unemployed were looking in different fields. They were actually considering changing careers altogether. But what happens in the stop, the reason why this is important is because what happens, so you've been, you had your search, we're collecting information, you had your struggle where you're not quite sure what is going on. (laughs) What the stop does is it, it stops you in your tracks and it allows all of that information that had been floating around in your brain to coalesce. And that coalescing, and, and literally, by the way, neuroscientists in a laboratory can see when that happens. They can see when you have an aha moment, they can see there's a part of your brain that like lights up. It is literally the spark of insight. <laughs> but that's, you need to have that moment in order to, for all of those ideas to come together into the moment that you can figure out, okay, this is where I'm going. That That is what leads to the transformation. The first half of your book is a lot and even more about what we've talked about today and how this works much differently than you think that it does. The second half is tactics. And obviously we're coming to the end of our time together, so we can't go through all of them, but I do want to talk about one because, you know, a lot of people, especially with their financial plan, Joanne, they talk about how, you know, maybe I want to be a digital nomad or maybe I want to take a sabbatical or maybe I want to, to change careers. Maybe I want to retire early to this other place. You have this idea, and it's funny, I didn't even make a note of it, so I might have the name wrong, but you basically say something about like walk before you walk, Uh, just go wander, like go, I felt like you are saying a great tactic is kind of to test drive. Is that what you're, is that what you're getting at? Like test drive some of the stuff ahead of time. So you're able to coalesce your thinking better. Yes. Yes. So I call it move before you move. Move before you. I I was so close. You're close. Super close. So move before you move means that you try things out. So there's a concept in psychology called possible selves. So, you know, a first step is to imagine what you might be, what you could be, and you're thinking about it, but it's not enough to think about it. You have to take some action. And so you move before you move, as in you experiment or you have a hobby, side hustle, whatever you... But you, you take action. You don't just think about what you might want. You take action on it. And the one other thing I would love to mention before we close also, though, is the big myth that you absolutely have to know where you're going. And so many of the people I interviewed, it was all of the steps that they took, this moving before you move, it led them to the goal. But they didn't know that that's where they were going to end up. And I think that's really important, too, because... There are certain things that it makes a lot of sense. If you know that you want to be a doctor, you know all the steps you have to take to get there. And and definitely you need to have a plan. But for so many of the people I met who reinvented their careers or their lives in some way, it was the steps they took along the way that led them there. And they didn't know where they were going to end up. And they ended up in a much more gratifying place than they thought that they were going. And so it's so important to have that open mind and to let your interests and 
your body and your knowledge lead you there. It reminds me so much of that Tolkien quote, the, what all who wander are not lost. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the book is next, The Power of Reinvention in Life and Work. It's available everywhere yesterday, everyone. And we, we barely touched on the tactics. There are so many tactics if you're looking to reinvent, reinvent any piece of your life. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you one thing on a totally unrelated topic, Joanne, before we let you sure. go, which is we all imagine a newspaper newsroom as this high flying place and the stress and the papers got to go to print. I'm wondering if there's one story you can tell our stackers about a time when there was a story and maybe you're waiting on a source or you're waiting on a thing and it was this big deal and you weren't sure if you had it or you didn't have it. You have to have 90 of these, I would think. Uh, I got more than 90. <laughs> right. uh, how much time you've you got? got? High, I would think you've got high <laughs> blood pressure is what you probably have. From you got to kind of be able to thrive on a deadline and you have to really, really appreciate the adrenaline. Um, and there is nothing like the adrenaline of a newsroom when you are up against deadline. I wrote a daily column for quite a number of years when I was at the Wall Street Journal and you were up against it every single day. You had to figure out what you're writing about, et cetera. But also, you know, when you have a giant breaking news story, also when you have an election that goes down to the wire, you know, when Trump was first elected, I was running USA Today and we were there all night because, you know, everybody expected Hillary Clinton to win. And so you're there with your whiteboard at midnight erasing all of the ideas for stories you had. And um, writing in all the new stories and on the phones and rounding up reporters from all over the country to do their different pieces and eating a lot of cold pizza. Um, <laughs> every journalist will tell you that we all feast on cold pizza. That is a, an election night special. Well, that particular uh, night, I would imagine it's not just you and a few people. I would imagine everybody is oh, on that's high everybody. alert. Everybody's on high alert. That is everybody. And you're writing and rewriting stories in real time and it's all going out and it, it's 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 actually very very exciting when big news is breaking and you do have quite the adrenaline rush so you have to have a certain kind of i guess personality to thrive on that but pretty much everybody in a newsroom does it's very different now because since the pandemic so many people are working remotely and it's unfortunate actually because I do love the energy. There's nothing like the energy of a newsroom. It's awesome. The buzz. And I'm thinking that's going to help us. I know that there's big problems now in uh, office land, right? I mean, we just saw it at Google yeah. that they're changing it. But changing these office spaces to when we're together, keeping us together for that buzz, I think is, is super important. Well, by the way, talk about the power of reinvention. Reinventing yourself, Joanne, like eight times during one evening <laughs> might, be, might be a little tough. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us and helping stackers reinvent themselves. I really appreciate it. Sure, Joe. It's been a pleasure. This is a really great conversation, and um, good luck to all the stackers out there. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Joanne for joining us in OG. I think she makes a great point. The past does not equal the future. You want to change? Set a new course tomorrow. Do it. I think we get too ingrained. We get too focused in on this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is my history. We forget that that's all history. You wake up every day and every step you take can be completely different. Yeah. 
You can do whatever you want. So to put your mind to it. It's a very powerful thing. And then you add a good financial plan to take you in the new direction and put your money behind that. I mean, the pivot becomes even easier. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Uh, Allegra is pretty much the thing I value the most with all the trees blossoming in uh, North Texas. Oh, are you getting the, are you getting the green spring already? Pretty early. Yeah, we're not even, it's, and the bad news is, you know, it's just going to get worse here too. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is a little different because you got different trees, but ours are, uh, well, everything, everything in Texarkana, as you know, turns green all, I mean, no matter what color your car is, it's going to be green. <laughs> yeah. If it, if you park yeah, in a parking lot, no matter, yeah. yeah, the pollen just all over the place, everything here is green, but, uh, yeah. Oh, I bet that's, that's a lot of fun. Spring feels early this year, doesn't it? It was uh, it was about a week early for some areas, yeah. It says here it's your loved ones and your time, but if you're having trouble with the pollen, I'm sure loved ones and time are easier to stomach than when when you feel better than if you don't. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybedjamins.com slash havenlife now for a free quote. Love what they're doing at Haven Life because they offer you the modern way to buy life insurance. It's a simple application. It's all in online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. You don't have to wait several weeks for a decision. They've got great customer support. And you have the comfort of knowing that you're not their first customer. They're actually offering policies through their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Today, we're throwing out the lifeline to our friend Connor from Dorchester. How about that? Say hi, Connor. Hey, boys. It's Connor from Dorchester. Question for you. My wife Dawn and I were heading over to Donkey's on a Saturday morning. On the way, she says she got this thing at work she can do called an ESOP. And I'm like, e- what, ESOP's fables or some shit like that? And she's like, nah, bro, something where I can like buy the company or something. And so I'm like, Donna, we ain't got that kind of cash. She's like, well, I don't know, but I know it's a good thing. Ask your wicked funny boys about it or something. So I tell her, I'll call you guys, you know. So I bang a Yui. I head to the packy because this going to take more than coffee, you know. So uh, uh, what's this Aesop Dawn is talking about? And hey, look, not for nothing, but just give my shirt to Doug. I, he needs it more than me. Just send me the cash so I can afford this Aesop thing. Thanks, boys. Okay, first, first we take out Wisconsin. <laughs> now we're now we're going after the Northeast. Like we're just equal opportunity here. Taking them down, but I need to listen to these ahead of time. I truly I need to listen ahead of time. I don't understand what your concern is, Joe. That seemed like a really good, insightful question. Oh, gee, let's uh, pretend that uh, Connor is uh, not a deep fake. Kona. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot. It's oddly accurate. Kona. We need the native pronunciation of, of his name, not the Midwestern one that I frequently use. Sorry, Kona. Oh, gee. What's an uh, Aesop? What is an Aesop? And it's not a fable. It's a real thing. I thought that was well-constructed. That was a well-constructed question. About uh, oh boy, Aesop's fables. That was uh, I didn't see that one coming. That was good. Connor did a good job of of putting that together. 
basically, you know, an ESOP is an opportunity for employees to own a part of the company and, and, and really how it started as a liquidation event for the owners. So you think about somebody who starts a manufacturing company or somebody who starts a, you know, uh, a textile or, you know, whatever. They've got thousands of employees and, and now this family wants to sell. Well, the one way is to just sell the business outright. Another way is to have that liquidity event happen by distributing some of the ownership into ownership from the, from the company, the employees of the company. It ties everybody together and makes everybody think about the profitability and, you know, kind of be, be in the same kind of row in the boat in the same direction, which is super helpful. And usually it's funded by bonuses and profit sharing contributions, you know, and you kind of get an award that way. On occasion, uh, you'll be offered the opportunity to purchase into it, but that I think that happens fewer times than it's just part of the overall profitability, you know, bonus bonus structure. If you're weighing two job opportunities, one has an employee stock option plan, the other one doesn't. How do you value the employee stock option plan as a benefit? Well, employee stock ownership plan, I think, is what you're looking Sorry, for. Um, ownership, ownership. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, and honestly, people confuse them with ESPPs, you know, because there's ESOPs and ESPPs and uh, an employee stock purchase plan is. Yeah. Uh, he said PP. <laughs> he did. Connor is getting, Doug is getting a little, a little mouthy, but um, it's really hard to evaluate whether or not one is better than the other because, because it's really just contingent on the outcome and the performance of the organization. You know, if you're part of a publicly traded company, you know, that comes with all its opportunities and downfalls as well. An ESOP plan is not going to be owned by a public, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a privately held organization. So there's some liquidity issues, but then by the same token, you have a better, better chance at owning more of the company, you know, like if you have an opportunity to buy some or earn more. So it's just, uh, I don't know that there's an evaluation piece in there. Plus there's just not as much public information. You know, if you try to ask the company for, well, what's the, what's the ESOP done? It's like, well, join it and find out. <laughs> Send your bonus this way and we'll let you know. Are there any tax implications people should think about uh, if they choose to take advantage of an ESOP? You know, Doug's asking for a friend. I mean, yeah. Asking for a friend. Yeah. I mean, they work the same way as normal retirement plans. So if you are leaving the organization, if you're leaving the company, uh, you can sometimes treat it as an IRA, like a rollover. And any sort of uh, distribution prior to 59 and a half will have a penalty, even if they're allowed, you know, because it's not a publicly traded organization, the stock's not liquid. You may say, I need the money. And they could say, well, tough. We don't have the ability to pay you out right now. You know, it's not, it's not not part of the plan to pay you out whenever the heck you feel like it. But each plan will have its own guidelines in terms of how the distributions work. Thank you, Connor, for that question. If you've got a question and too bad, I was just talking to Brad and uh, who makes our t-shirts. And I think Doug, I'm apologize. I know Connor really wanted you to have one. I think he's got the distribution issue this oh, week. Now he's got supply chain issues too. Yeah. You know how they've had trouble with those chips manufacturing well he's having trouble with right shoulders on the t-shirts it's yeah not apparently it's there's a factory in china all backed up on right shoulders so 
might not be able to do that. But thanks, Connor, for thinking about Doug taking care of the workforce here in the basement. Stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail if you've got a question for us. A lot of people out there own employee stock ownership programs or have uh, had them presented to them. So a lot of good stuff there. Speaking of good stuff, tomorrow I'm live on Fireside on the Fireside app. You can download the Fireside chat app wherever you get your apps and uh, ask Bob Wheeler from the Comedy Store and also from the Money Should Ask podcast your tax questions. And it's funny that I said the Comedy Store. She's like, why do I ask a comedian about, about my tax situation? Uh, he is the CFO of uh, one of America's biggest comedy clubs, but he also has a CPA practice and he has agreed to help our stacker community with a bunch of their questions. So bring your questions. You can also hang out with us on our YouTube page. If you want to see all the different places where we have uh, live events and we interface with our community, just go to stackybedjamins.com slash welcome, and that'll give you all the links. All right. I think that is it besides this. If you're not here because you want to hang out with us on YouTube, you're here because you're seeing fears around the economy for some people ramping up. You might be feeling anxious to make some moves in your finances. What I'd like you to do instead is this. Check out this free guide that OG and his team put together that will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. Some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so you make financial decisions that the future version of you will thank you for. Head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide to get that free guide from OG. All right, that is it for today. And that's a community calendar. Doug, I think you're bringing us home, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Joanne Lippman and make that pivot now. If you know you want to change, don't let your brain talk you out of it. Second, have a friend who's bad with money. Give them tools to help them solve their problem, not a bailout, which won't help them nearly as much in the long run. But the big lesson... <laughs> Elon, your used car dropped the most in value late last year? Time to give old Doug a call. I think we can work together on this one. Thanks to Joanne Lippman for joining us today. You can find Joanne's book next, The Power of Reinvention in Life and Work, wherever you buy books. But you know what? Because I'm a great guy, I'll make sure my people also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. 
To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org at Navy Federal. Our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. Man, there's a lot of new TV on. It's a lot of new TV. By the way, before we talk about TV, OG, can you give us another update? Um, uh, what's going on in Girl Scout uh, Cookie Land? You get hit up by anybody else? No. But what's going on in Girl Scout Cookie Land, Doug? It's raining cookies in my house right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's raining cookies. I'm like Scrooge McDuck Hallelujah. rolling around in all my trefoils right now. A case of trefoils showed up at my house. Did you uh, show Joe the picture? No. You can just hold it up to the screen. Oh, all right. Let's see if we can Well, but that. all of our audio listeners aren't going to get to hear well, it. Oh, it, my goodness. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> That's after I pulled two ten. boxes out. I think there's 19 or 20 boxes in there, and I'd already pulled two out. Yeah, th- there's 19 there right now. Better you it's, than me. It's bad. And the trefoils are the kind that... <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like potato chips because... Yep. They never really overpower you with sweetness. Like if, if you had sent me a case of Samoas, it would take me, I don't know, three or four weeks to get through them all. Speaking of, of potato chips, have you had either of you guys, because you know Detroit is, has a lot of cool institutions, but Sanders fudge is fantastic. But have you had Sanders chocolate dipped potato chips? Unbelievable. So much better than they sound. I am totally like OG. I was like, no, these are going to suck. And we went to the factory, which by the way, is a lot of fun. It's, it's like a five minute thing. You, you just walk down and you see 
people, you know, making chocolates. Uh, but then they have this big store and ice cream stuff. And anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you're ever in the area, it's a good like half hour diversion, but they had, they had them to try Doug. So I tried one. I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be horrible. Talk about buying all the boxes. I am like clearing the shelf of these things. And then you try (laughs) to eat just one from that stupid box. You can't eat one from that box. You open that box. You're eating every single one. Like I never thought that chocolate over a potato chip would be so. The ones I had, I actually don't know if they were Sanders, but the ones that I had were on like ruffles, like the ridged potato chips. Yeah. Holy crap. And I wouldn't have bought them. If I saw them in a store, I'd be like, I don't know if that works. My neighbor gave them to us as like a Christmas thing. Holy crap. Yeah. No, I was totally like OG when I heard of it. For people just listening, he like stuck his tongue out like, nope. He's shaking his head. He's got a furrowed brow right oh. now. But that's just his normal RBF. You have you have one of these things. One, I promise you. You you will the heavens Meanwhile, will open I'm up. I'm counting how many grams of oatmeal I can have today. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'll be having any chocolate covered potato chips anytime soon. He's like, I don't even like this discussion. All right, yeah. we'll talk uh, God, Mandalorian, Ted Lasso. Like, why is everything coming out at once? Yeah, there's a lot coming oh. out. I agree. It's horrible. We watched a show uh, last weekend. Uh, it was a show, a uh, a movie called Sharper on Apple Plus. Have you heard of that one? No. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about that later too. Yeah. Somebody else is watching Shrink. 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 Um, I tried that. I started. It. Is that the one with Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd? Yes. Yes. Oh no, not Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. That that one's dark. No, it's. I think Shrink is Steve Carell, where he's. Trapped in a guy traps him in his basement. Oh no 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 no! no. no. T- there's there's two that are very similarly named. Yes, one is the, and the themes are the same. One is Jason Sudeikis and Harrison Ford, and one no, is Jason Sudeikis and Harrison Ford's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. and then there's another one that's Paul Rudd and and Will Ferrell. The Jason there's Sudeikis one, one is more contemporary, uh, contemporary I should say, um, timing. The Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell one is set in like the early 80s in New York. Yeah, I tried to watch that one. That one was a non-starter after one episode. It's like, nope, can't. I watched, can't I watched one and a half of them. I didn't get it. But I heard the yeah. Jason Sudeikis one from two different people. They said it was really good. I'm telling you, there's a third one, and it's with Steve Carell. He gets kidnapped by one of his patients and chained up in the patient's basement because the patient is a serial killer. Oh yeah, we talked about to, that one. I can't do that. I can't do that one. Uh, so far, I mean, I only watched like two and a half, three episodes, and it just was slow. I, I mean, there wasn't anything gross or serial killy, killery in it. It was just slow, so I bailed. Who's the uh, who's the Wolverine? Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. That wasn't the answer he was looking for. He was in a movie that was really dark like that, too. It was called... Well, there's what the black phone uh, that was out last year that was uh, prisoners. Yeah, from 2013. Do you remember that one? No, but I do remember the one that Brie Larson was in that, that was up for the Academy Award, where she was she was being held prisoner in a the basement. Room, the room. Yeah, yeah. Room. The room. Yeah, look up, look up the prisoners. It's 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 making some rounds again. I don't know, just too much good stuff. Too much, too much good TV right now. 